How to Play, Episode 2, Teach You. Hello everybody and welcome to Episode 2 of How to Play, a podcast about teaching and learning games. In this episode, we'll be talking about Teach You. In my opinion, one of the greatest trick-taking card games out there. You may find it useful to have your Teach You deck with you. I also recommend a good Teach You player aid, which has the different types of hands on it and the four special cards. Uh, player aids such as this are easily available at BoardGameGeek.com. So let's get into it. Complexity rating. I rate Teach You a blue square. This means it's accessible to both gamers and non-gamers. But due to the unique nature of Teach You, it may be a little overwhelming and uncomfortable the first few hands. But once your players have played this a few hands, it'll all seem like second nature. Part 1. The Hook. What this game is about. Welcome to Teach You. Teach You is a partnership card game. It's also a trick-taking game, but it's what we call a ladder trick-taking game. And what that means is that in each trick, the person who has the lead can decide what kind of a trick they want it to be. It can be a single card, like a normal trick-taking game, or you can lead with a straight or a full house or any number of different combinations of cards. This game is called Teach You because calling Teach You is the name of the game. If you think you have a particularly strong hand, you say, teach you, and when someone says that, they are betting that they are going to be the first one to go out. The object of the game is over a number of hands to score points, either through correctly calling teach you, or by collecting point cards in a hand in order to score points to get to the magic number of a thousand. Part two, the meat. How do you play the game? So, how does a hand work? Well, when we get started playing Teach You, we shuffle up the deck, declare someone as the dealer, and they'll start by dealing each player eight cards. This is a partnership game, as I mentioned, so you're gonna need to sit across from the person that you would like to be partners with. Teach You is strictly a four-player game, so if you have more or less than that, sorry, you're gonna have to pick a new game. So you deal out eight cards to start, that's a little over half the deck, and at that point everyone may look at their cards. If someone has a particularly strong group of eight cards, they can say, grand to teach you. And this is especially risky bet because you're betting that you're going to go out first with only looking at half of your hand. Now this doesn't happen very often unless someone has a really strong hand or if someone is uh, particularly falling behind. But then after the first eight cards are dealt, the dealer will pass out the next group, which is the rest of the cards, six more cards. So all players will have 14 cards. At this point, someone could call a normal teach you, in which that they are betting that they're going to go out first. But there is a passing phase. We're going to be passing cards to each other, and normally people wait to call that teach you until that passing happens. So what kind of cards are you going to be looking at? Well, this is a 
standard deck of cards, almost. It is a normal deck of cards that you'd be used to seeing with cards of a rank two to ace in four different suits. The suits are a little bit different looking. They are swords and temples instead of hearts and spades. Uh, but you should be familiar with the jack and queen and king and should look like a normal deck of cards. There are four special cards in the deck and I'll go into detail more about those later. So you'll have 14 cards and again remember that the object is to try to use all your cards first or to get your partner to use all their cards as well as end up with a lot of the cards particularly the scoring cards which we'll talk about in a bit. So after all the cards are passed out, you do have one phase where you're going to be passing one card to each of the other players. So two to your opponents and one to the person you're playing with. Uh, and normally, of course, you're going to pass lower cards or cards that aren't really great with your hand to your opponents, and you might pass a, a better card to your partner. So as I said in the hook, this is a ladder trick-taking game. What does that mean? Well. Like a normal game of cards, someone could start the trick and lay a single card, lay a six, and then someone could keep laying higher than that. Maybe the next person lays a seven, and an eight, and a nine, and a jack, and a king. And at some point, everyone will pass. And when everyone passes, the person who has the highest card takes the trick, which means they take all the cards, lay them face down, and put them in front of them. And then they have the lead for the next trick. Now, how this is different than a normal trick-taking game is, first of all, you can go around as many times as you would like until everyone passes. Sometimes in trick-taking games, you only go one time around. The second thing that's different is that you don't have to just play a single card. You may want to lay a pair. The person who's leading may choose to lay, say, two fours. Then in order to beat that, the next person will have to also lay a pair, and the pair would have to be higher than fours. For example, they might lay two sixes. The next person may lay two eights. Then maybe the next person would pass, and then you would lay two jacks, and so on. And then maybe everyone would pass after that. Since you had the highest cards, the two jacks, you would take them, uh, play them face down, and lead the next set of cards. So what can you lead? You can lead a single card you can lead pairs. You can lay what's called consecutive pairs, which are two pairs of rank next to each other. So for example, you could lay two threes or two fours, and then someone else would have to lay two pairs that are next to each other that are higher than that, like two fives and two sixes. You can even lay more pairs than that. You could lay two eights, two nines, and two tens. To beat that, you would need something like two jacks, two queens, and two kings. You can lay three of a kinds, and say you lay uh, three fours, someone would have to lay three sixes, and so on. You could lay a straight. Straights must be at least five cards long, but they can be longer than that. You could lay down a seven card straight, for example. Maybe you lay down two through eight. Then, in order for someone to take that hand from you, they would need to be able to play uh, seven cards straight higher than that. For example, three through nine. And the last kind you could lay is a full house. A full house, for those of you who haven't played poker, is a set of three of a kind and a pair. For example, three fives and two threes. 
if you wanted to beat that, you have to beat whatever the three of a kind was. So if I played three fives and two threes, someone could lay three eights and two fours. So those are the different combinations that you can lead with, and everyone else then has to follow whatever those combinations are. Either single card, pair, three of a kind, consecutive pairs, straight, or full house. Now there's an exception to that. There's a specifically powerful group of cards called a bomb. There are two different kinds of bombs. If you have a four of a kind, say four sevens, or a straight flush, meaning five or more cards that are all in a row and all the same suit. For example, the five, six, seven, eight, and nine of black swords. That would be a bomb. Bombs are special because you can play them in the middle of any kind of trick. If people are playing three of a kinds, you can still play your bomb. In fact, you don't even have to wait till it's your turn to play a bomb. You can play a bomb whenever you want to. And the bomb almost assuredly takes the trick, unless someone has a higher bomb. If you lay four sevens, for example, and someone has four nines, they can steal that trick from you. That is unlikely, uh, but possible and something to keep in mind. A straight flush bomb is higher than a four of a kind bomb. The straight flush bombs are much more rare than the four of a kinds. So that's the way a hand is played out. Someone will lead a specific combination, and it will continue until someone has the highest. They will take it, and this will repeat. You will keep going until only one person has cards left in their hand. At that point, the reward for the person going out first is they get all of the cards face down, all of the trick cards that they have won from the person who went out last. Then. The person who still has cards left in their hand has to give whatever cards they have still in their hand to their opponents. This is important because those cards will determine the score for the hand. Again, if you win out last, you give your tricks to the person who went out first, and you give your hand to the opponents. Sometimes this means all of your cards will go to the opponents, unless, of course, your partner was able to go out first. Now let's look at how we score the hand. Both partnerships put their cards together, and they are looking for fives, tens, kings, the dragon, and the phoenix. Fives are worth five points, tens and kings are worth ten points. That means a total of a hundred points in fives, tens, and kings. So one team would probably have something like 60, and the other team would have something like 40. It's easy to double check that way. Then the dragon and the phoenix affects your score. Whichever group has the dragon gets plus 25. Whichever group has the phoenix gets minus 25. A lot of times, one group will have both, and then they will just cancel each other out, and the total score for a hand will be 100. One team, again, same, maybe getting 70, and the other team getting 30. Now, that is just the secondary way to score points. The main way you're going to score points from this game is by correctly calling teach you. As I alluded to earlier in this episode, someone calls Tichu in order to bet that they are going to go out first. This is a bet of 100 points that they are going to make it. If they are the first person to go out, then they're going to score 100 points at the end of the hand. If they are not, then their team will lose 100 points. A grand Tichu is similar, but they have to make the call with only looking at their first eight cards and that is done 
to score 200 points if you do that correctly. Another way to score big bunches of points is to go out first and second. If you and your partner are out of cards first and second, the hand ends immediately, your team scores 200 points, and the other team scores zero. So, in this way, it is possible to score up to 400 points in one hand if you go out 1-2, like we call it, you go out first and second, and your team called Grand Tichu, you would get 200 points for going out 1-2, and 200 points for the Grand Tichu, and score 400 points. Now that's somewhat rare. Normally people will score somewhere between 50 and 150 points on a hand, depending on whether or not they called Tichu or not. So you would mark your score for the round, deal it out, and do it all over again. Now that scoring system might have just exploded your brain. It's a little non-intuitive when you first get going. My advice, if you are new to teach you, focus on trying to be the first one out. That's going to get you points anyways, just by getting more cards. Or you'll get points by calling teach you. Also, focus on trying to get you and your partner to go out first and second. That'll get you 200 points if you manage to do that. That's really the base of the game. Once you get more experienced, you can play around with trying to grab tricks that have the fives, tens, and kings in them, but that's really minor compared to attempting to go out first. A full game lasts to a thousand points. When you're first starting out, this can take a little while, probably take uh, at least ten hands, um, but as you play, you'll score points faster as you learn how to make teachers successful. Sometimes we play to 500 or, or less if we just want to play a few hands. Now let's talk about those special cards, those four special cards in the deck. Let's start with the Phoenix. The Phoenix is a very powerful card. It can be used in two ways. The first way is it can be used as a wild card. You can use it as any number that you would like, a six, a king, an ace. This can be used to fill a full house, fill a straight, etc. Though it's important to know, the phoenix may not be used to create a bomb, such as a four of a kind. The second way to use the phoenix is to use it a half higher than a single card being played. So if someone were to lay a seven and you played your phoenix on it, that would be seven and a half. That's not very useful. The most common way it is used is if someone lays an ace, you can play your phoenix on top of it, making it effectively ace and a half. Since the Phoenix is a very powerful card, as a penalty for having it, having used it, you will get minus 25 points for having that, if it's in your pile of tricks at the end of a round. The second very powerful card to have is the Dragon. The Dragon has only one function, and that is, as a single card, it is worth ace plus one. So when single cards are being played, the dragon is the top dog. Once you play the dragon, nothing else can beat it except a bomb. So something that becomes obvious quickly is that if you have the phoenix and people are laying single cards, you do not want to use the phoenix on top of an ace until the dragon has been played because the dragon can trump your phoenix. The penalty for using the dragon is if you win the trick with the dragon, that means no one bombed it, you must give that trick to one of the opposing players. And so they will score the 25 points that the dragon is worth unless you manage to take it back because that person 
goes out last. The next card is the dog. The dog can be an annoying card or it can be an extremely useful card. What the dog does is you can only play it when you're in the lead. And when you play it, it gives your partner the lead. This can be very helpful if your partner is the one who called teach you. If you're the one who called teach you, it can be highly annoying. If your partner is out of cards, then the lead essentially goes to your partner and then it would play to the next person clockwise. The final special card is the Mahjong. The Mahjong has two purposes. First of all, whoever has the Mahjong, it's the one, it has a big picture of a one on it, that means that they must start the hand. And you can start it with a, just your single one, or if you have a straight, like one, two, three, four, five, you can use it to start a straight as well. It's good to know also that you don't have to lead with the Mahjong. You can lead whatever you want. Typically people do lead with the Mahjong because a one is very hard to get rid of if you don't play it straight off the bat. When you play the Mahjong, you also may make a wish. Use it to wish for a card of a certain rank, say a three or a seven or a queen or an ace. The function of this is to disrupt your opponent's hand. Normally players use this to call for whatever it was they just passed that person on their left. Although you could also use it for other tricky reasons such as calling for an ace or calling for a mid-rank card to try to break up a straight. Now be careful what you wish for because if you wish for a six and the next person didn't have a six, you forgot, you passed that to the other person, you're going to force the next person possible to play a six. And what that might mean is your partner might have to play that six, and they might be very upset at you for doing that. So let's review those four special cards. The Phoenix, which can be used as a wild card, or as a single card plus half, normally used as ace and a half, or sometimes king and a half and it's minus 25 points. The dragon, which can only be used with single cards, which is ace plus one, no matter when it is played, and can only be beaten by a bomb. When you take a trick with the dragon, remember to give away that trick. The dog, which can only be played when you're in the lead, and it gives the lead to your partner. And the mahjong, which forces you to start the hand as well as allows you to wish for a card. Are you still with me? I'm gonna go through a sample hand, which is going to give you a, a good examples of how this flow of play works, how those special cards function, help you review everything we just talked about. So imagine Ryan and Doug are all ready to face off against their heated rivals, Kristen and Michelle. So they're seated around the table, Ryan, then Michelle, then Doug, then Kristen. We deal out the cards. We first deal out eight cards. Everyone looks at those eight cards. No one calls Grand Tichu. It's early and people decide to wait it out. We deal out six more cards. Everyone looks at their hand. Now is the passing phase. Everybody passes one card to each other person. So everyone does that. Ryan picks up his hand. He's pretty happy with it. He likes the card he got from Doug, so he says, Teach you! And the girls have a hearty chuckle about how they're going to take me down and that I don't have a chance. 
So we're ready to play. Ryan has the Mahjong, the one, so he starts. He puts the Mahjong down, and he remembers he passed Michelle a four. So he says, I wish for a four. And Michelle then has to play a four. So Michelle plays the four. Doug plays a six, because he wants to get it out of his hand. And Kristen drops down an ace. Ryan then brings down his dragon and goes, Rawr! Now the girls have a bomb to stop that, so the dragon wins the trick. Ryan takes all those tricks. Because it is the dragon was used to take that trick, he has to give those cards away. So he takes those cards face down and puts them in a pile in front of Kristen. Then, since he won the last trick, he gets the lead for the next trick. So he looks at his hand and wants to lay out something really big so that it's hard to play over. So he starts with a full house that he's going to play a six, a six, a six, an eight, and an eight. So you have to beat the three sixes in order to take it. Michelle grabs for a handful of cards. She takes a jack, a jack, a phoenix, which she's going to use as a wild card, make it a jack, and a seven and a seven to make a higher full house. Doug chuckles a little bit, wah-ha-ha, ha, and drops down four twos. It's not a full house, that's a bomb. He can play that whenever he wants. Seems like a good time, as they're about to lose the lead. Nobody has a higher bomb, so Doug scoops up all those cards, places them face down in front of him. Now Doug, being the good partner that he is, happens to have the dog. So he puts that down, goes roof roof, and Ryan smiles and says thank you, because he has the lead back. Ryan then decides to play that straight he's been waiting with in his hand. Nine, ten, jack, queen, king. Five cards straight. The only thing that could beat that would be ten, jack, queen, king, ace. We go around the table. Everyone passes. Nobody can beat that. So Ryan takes those cards and put them face down in front of them. The only cards Ryan has left are a pair of fives. So he drops down the pair of fives, and he has successfully gotten Tichu. And then he needs to wait, because the hand is not over until only one person is left with cards. So Michelle plays two queens. She takes the cards, and hands continue until only Doug is left with cards. Doug had five cards in his hand, and he had a few cards face down in front of him for tricks. So since he was last out, he gets to give his face down cards, his tricks, to Ryan, since he went out first. And Doug then has to take his the cards in his hand, and those always go to your opponents. So Ryan and Doug take all their face down cards, flip them face up. Michelle and Kristen take all their face down cards, flip them face up, and look for the fives, the tens, and the kings. Fives are worth five points, tens and kings are worth ten points. Doug and Michelle had 60 points in fives, tens, and kings, and Michelle and Kristen had only 40. Then Ryan had the phoenix, so that's minus 25, and the girls had the dragon. So we subtract and add those. So the boys had a score of 35 points, and the girls had a score of 65 points on the fives, tens, kings, phoenix, and dragon points. But remember, Ryan called Tichu, so that is another 100 points. So the final score for the hand is Ryan and Doug, 135, and Michelle and Kristen, 65. Woohoo! On our way to victory!
part three, the hamster. How do you win this game? So there's a few skills you'll need to develop as you start learning how to play this game. And those are figuring out what does a teach-you hand look like, learning what to pass, and knowing when to play cards and when to pass. And those will all come through experience, but let me give you a little something to get started. What does a teach-you hand look like? Well, it looks like nice, neatly bunched groups of cards. For example, if you had two full houses and a few aces, that's an easy teach-you call. Also, if you have lots of aces, both the phoenix and the dragon, that's a good teach-you call. It also helps if you're able to pass the dog to your opponent. That's going to give you another weapon to know you have a safety net to help you get through the hand. If you have a lot of cards that don't fit into nice clumps, you probably don't have a Tichu hand. But when you're first starting out, experiment. Call Tichu a few times. You're never going to learn if you don't give it a shot. What about a grand Tichu hand? Well, it kind of depends on the game situation. If you're far behind and you have eight cards that don't look so bad, why not give it a go? Can't hurt anymore, can it? People who are quite good at this game will call Grand Tichu with just an ace and the dragon or just an ace and a phoenix in their first eight. If I'm behind, I might go for it with those two cards, but usually I'll need something just a bit stronger even than that to make that dive. When should you say Tichu? You do not have to call Tichu until before you're going to play your first card. So several tricks may go by before you even call Tichu, which is perfectly legal. In fact, you may wait for your partner to play the dog to give you the lead before you make that Tichu call. So unless you have the one, usually it's best to hold off as long as possible to keep other people in the dark. Specifically, it's good to wait until after the passing round before you call Tichu. There are some times where I will call Tichu before the pass. Say, I have the dog in my hand and I have a strong hand and I know I'm going to Tichu, then I may call it before the pass. You should also know that more than one person in a hand can call Tichu, which can make the hand particularly exciting. If uh, two people are both going for the Tichu, only one can win. One's going up 100 points, one's going down 100 points. Uh, both players on the same partnership can actually both call Tichu. I definitely don't recommend it. You know who you are, Kevin, as you, nothing good can come of that. Nothing good. As my buddy Doug would say, that's no good. What should you pass? This is something that definitely you're going to learn through experience. But easy rule of thumbs are your two worst cards are going to go to your opponents. What are your worst cards? Your worst cards are your lowest cards that just don't fit in your hand. For example, say you had five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine in your hand. That seven's going to be a leftover card you're going to have to get rid of at some point. Or if you had four, four, five, six, 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 you might get rid of that middle five as you'll look to play those other five cards as a full house. Another commonly used trick is an agreement among partners that if you're going to pass a odd and an even card, pass your even card to the right and odd card to the left. In that way, you're less likely to pass a pair, um, maybe making a three of a kind or a bomb for one of your opponents you'll be passing them different cards, which is usually a good thing. Remember, if you're passing, say, a two and a three, just remember this, even right. To your partner, 
you would think you would pass a really good card. But if you're going to call teach you, you're thinking you're going to call teach you. Sometimes you're going to want to pass them. You're actually your third worst card to help you get through that te teach you call. If you have a hand that you definitely will not be calling teach you on, give your partner your best card. The one is usually good to keep. The dog is also good to keep if you're not going to call teach you. If you are, give it to your partner. If someone has called teach you pre-pass, then you want to stick them with the dog to punish them for making that call. You know the old song, The Gambler? You gotta know when to hold them, you gotta know when to fold them. In this case, you gotta know when to play and you gotta know when to pass. Just because you can make a certain play doesn't mean it's always best, and that's something you're gonna learn from experience. Don't play over your partner unless it's gonna help your situation, especially if they've called teach you. Let them do their thing until you sense that they need your help. Also, know that if three of a kinds are being played, someone lays three sevens. And just because you can lay three aces, you might completely cripple your hand by doing that. So this is the fun part of teach you. There are so many different ways to play your hand out and a lot of different decisions to make. And I think you'll really enjoy learning how to best play a hand as you get better at teach you. That's all I've got for this episode of How to Play, episode number three, Teach You. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope some of you are going to go after this game and really enjoy what a great card game it is. Have a lot of fun playing it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, check out the other episodes. They're available on iTunes. They'll also be available from the guild at BoardGameGeek. If you want to support this podcast, join up at that guild. Contact me about hosting, sponsoring this show. Uh, I look forward to hearing any feedback you might have and, and some of your enjoyment from playing Teach You. It's a great game. Go have fun playing it. Thanks for listening. Bye.